0: Well, good morning. look forward to sharing in God's Word with you this morning. And our question and our theme this morning, there'll be lots of questions and you'll see them up there in our PowerPoint presentation, but um, our big questions are, do you have listening ears? Most of us can hear, but hearing and listening are a little different. And is your heart tender? And we're going to talk about that as we talk this morning about the parable of the soils. Again, we know human ears hear sounds, but there's a deeper listening that leads to spiritual understanding. So we need to have our ears open, but also our hearts in a posture to hear what God might want to say to us this morning as we go through this parable. As we do so, let's notice the sower, the farmer. He's a good farmer, and he's skilled and attentive to the seasons and to his duties, just like God. Our God is a good, good God. And just as the sower has high aspirations for a productive crop, our God has high aspirations for us. He wants to sow his goodness in us as we grow in him. And he wants us, then, to sow seeds of his goodness wherever we go. So keep that kind of in the back of your mind, that this is God's intention for us. He wants to sow his goodness. Would you pray with me this morning as we turn to God's word? Gracious God, we pray now, as we offer this time in our service to you as we study your word, that the meditations of our hearts... And the words of my mouth, as we share this morning, will be pleasing in your sight as we pray these things, in the name of Jesus. Amen. I think sometimes we hear a passage of scripture that's familiar to us, or maybe we've heard a bunch of sermons on, and we can tend to kind of tune out. We figure, well, I've heard that one before, or that passage of scripture maybe I've heard teachings on since I was a child. But... For some reason, the Lord led me to this passage a little while back as I was preparing for this weekend. So let's try to hear it anew today and see where God leads us. M.S. Muse writes a whole book on the parable of the sower, and these are some things I'd like us to remember as we begin. The true seed we'll talk about represents the message about the kingdom. That's the good news about Christ. The fertile soil that we'll hear about is, pre- is a prepared heart that can truly hear and understand the message of Jesus. And this kind of heart encourages the seed to grow deep roots. And these roots allow shoots to thrive, to endure persecution, and to reject the world's priorities. All of these will be included in the passage we read. Deep roots in good soil provides support. Those of you who are gardeners, Farmers, you know all this. They support the plant and then it produces an abundant fruit. So, hear God's word this morning as we read some of these verses from Matthew 13. This parable is in three of the Gospels, but today we're going to read from Matthew. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. I love the picture of Jesus sitting and teaching. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell in rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. And then Jesus said, whoever has ears, let them hear. So we know Jesus spoke in parables often in this very same chapter in Matthew 13. We have this parable, and then there's the parable of the weeds, the parable of the mustard seed, of the yeast, and at least three others before that chapter closes out. And the truth that we'll learn here, as Jesus said, is those that were open to hearing with their hearts understood what Jesus was trying to communicate. But those who were not, who had prejudged the message, or in this case prejudged what Jesus was saying, or they were jaded in their thinking, or even close to the message, did not understand. And that's why I began with that challenge this morning. Are your ears open? Is your heart in a posture not to just listen, but to hear what God might be saying to you and me this morning? As we listen to scripture, we must think that it's more than just a good moral message, but rather God's truth that he wants to use to bring transformation to us as we grow in our journey with him. And remember, we're always growing in our journey with him. If we're not, we're going the other way. So where are you this morning? The imagery of a farmer sowing seeds is one that would be familiar to Jesus' Galilean audience as they were agricultural by occupation. It's how they made their living, how they fed their families and their communities. So let's talk our way through some of these questions that the passage prompts for us. Is the gospel just a good moral message or is it actually a transformative message for all of his followers? Do you see God as just the man upstairs or my best friend forever or is he the one who has and is transforming me into his likeness even when it's hard is this true even in the hard seasons of life that we talked some about a few weeks back when we studied Joshua 1 in our message those are some of the questions we all need to give some focus to maybe through this week ahead maybe jot down some of these questions Maybe in our time with God this week. Pray over those questions. But let's think now some about the four soils that we just read about. Do you recognize yourself in any of those soils? Maybe all of them? Truth be told, each one of us is one of these at different times, different seasons in our lives. Which soil might you be right now are you the path where some of the seeds landed where the roots in christ have not taken hold see the hardened ground of a path think of a place you might hike in the woods or behind your house it's typically free of vegetation maybe it's the place where many who live and work on the farm they walk from place to place on these paths, it's easy for the birds to see the seed. Any of you have those turkeys around? We had 18 in our yard this morning. They're looking for seeds everywhere. Well, they, the birds could see the seed, and they would come right along and grab it. This hardened terrain of a path makes the seed vulnerable. It's easy to get to. When our faith has not taken solid root in Christ, we're vulnerable as well. The next soil Could you or I be the rocky ground where some soil and germination may even take place, but then withering happens quickly? In these conditions, like when our soul is in this condition, when the sun comes up, they wither quickly because they have not grown deep roots. In these cases, it was usually because there was just not enough soil in that spot, which was common in the geography of Galilee. The plant starts well, but withers quickly. Some believers start strong, but the troubles of life steal their joy and often eventually their faith. Has that ever happened to you? Do you have family members or friends that you know that started out so strong in their life in Jesus, but they fell away when troubles came? persecution or distress. Then we have the third of the four soils talked about in this parable. So the next question for us is, do we live amongst the thorny soil? What do thorns do to plants? Any of you have those wild weeds that have thorns and are wrapping themselves around every living bush or tree? We have some right here on the church grounds I know. Um, when we lost some trees in our yard this winter after that March snowstorm, Joe was out there cutting the trees up and said the hardest part was getting through the thorny weeds that had wrapped themselves around each of these four trees that were down. Thorns left to themselves eventually choke the plants. So this truth calls for us to ask another question. What are the thorns in your life? In my life? Are they under your control or are they choking the life out of you? Jesus tells us in this passage that the choked out life is indicative of an unfruitful life. Life in God gets choked out for any number of reasons, but Jesus clearly knows that it's often because of the worries of this life. Any of you worry? ever, about anything. The chaotic chaotic world we're living in, job situations, health issues, the souls of our loved ones. This is just a partial list. But these are some of the thorns that choke out life in God. In the same section when he's talking about this, Jesus highlights the deceitfulness of wealth. Oh, this trip, this bigger house, this new whatever is just what I need or want. We know how it works. We are always just one more thing away from our proverbial happiness. That's the deceitfulness of wealth. And then it becomes a commitment to wealth because, after all, we have to take care of all these possessions and make use of them. We kind of like to keep up with others, and we do like those titles and salaries that go with them. So the deceitfulness of wealth can become central, and often God gets moved over to the side. None of these things are necessarily bad in and of themselves. But we must be watchful that they don't become a thorn that chokes out the life of God. We have to ask ourselves on a regular basis, do I own my things or do my things own me? Do I really believe that everything I have belongs to God? Again, this parable reminds us that the thorns of this life choke out the seeds sown, the very word of God. A life packed with excessive busyness or excessive anything crowds out God's voice in his rightful place in our lives. So when that happens, we can't be fruitful for the kingdom. So it's on us to make sure we watch out for that overload in our lives so we can have the needed space to hear what God might be saying to us in any given season. I kind of wish we had a light like that went off, that God set off when we were moving into overload like our signal, kind of like the check engine light in our cars. But before we get to the good soil, let's remember the sower and who he is. He's our constant in the story. He has good intentions. And he's diligent in his efforts. The sower is our Heavenly Father, Jesus says. And he's always good. Good. He wants us to lead productive, transformed lives. He loves us. He wants to rid us of the things that choke life out of us. And sometimes we can't see that ourselves. He wants to keep us away from things that keep our roots shallow, keep us from growing and leading fruitful lives. Again, some of those things that Crowd got out are not awful things. But maybe they keep us from our focus. Remember, the sower, our Heavenly Father, wants to sow his goodness wherever he can because he wants us to flourish in him. But that can't happen when we stop listening and we let the soil of our hearts grow hard. We all know a common problem in our culture is that so many people roam this earth with no sense of purpose, wondering if they make any difference in any area of life, they don't know why they're here. Some of those people even have amazing lives to us if we look in from the outside. But we are called to be light to those in that place of lostness, to those that don't know anything about God and the purpose of this life. But if the soil of our hearts is not producing the fruit of the kingdom, can we be that light for them? When people look at us, what do they see? What do they know about us? David Brooks um, wrote a lengthy article about two weeks ago in The Atlantic, and I'm not sure if any of you have seen it, but it's entitled, How America Got Mean. And he writes, Lonely eras are not just sad eras. They are violent ones. He says, in the 19th century America, when a lot of lonely young men were crossing the western frontier, one of the things they tended to do was shoot one another. Can you imagine? Does that sound familiar? People got more callous, defensive, distrustful, and hostile. And then he says, now, in the 21st century, we are caught in a cycle of ill treatment of one another leading to humiliation and humiliation leads to more meanness. Social life becomes more barbaric online and off. People have sought to fill the moral vacuum of our days with politics and tribalism. That says a lot to us. Jesus we know is the answer to those things which is why we need to tend our own soils so we can bring him to those places. Now back to the soils. This is an important point for us to grab a hold of this morning. If you're in one of those three soils we just talked about, you don't have to stay there. There's a way out to productive, tangible growth. You don't have to stay there. So here's some now about the good soil. We remember this one. We all want to raise our hand here. Yep, that's me. That's where I live. I'm producing for the kingdom. I'm yielding a fruitful life. And on and on. But maybe it's a better question for us to ask those closest to us. Let them answer. Would you describe my life as the good soil of the gospel? Producing fruit? Do people see Jesus in me? If you are there, that's a good place to be. Stay tuned in to the Spirit. But remember, being there doesn't eliminate us from slipping back into those other three places. Pray for God's Spirit to continually fall fresh on you that you might continue to produce for his kingdom. Stay focused. Be careful about moving him aside. But remember, life changes. We get distracted. Sometimes we get stuck in our failures or our places of bitterness, and suddenly we're in rocky soil or being choked out by thorns. So be watchful. A favorite proverb of mine is a stark reminder to this truth when the writer says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Yes, we could be in that good soil today, but the distractions can easily cause us to be in a different place, sometimes in a place we never imagined we might be. Pastor Neil Davidson of Hope Chapel down in um, Sterling Mass said in a recent post, he said, unfortunately, I stand on solid ground when I say, there's just something about human nature that makes it difficult for us to commit to and persevere in what is good for us. He said, often the opposite is true. We just cannot stay away from what's bad for us. We see these dynamics at play in so many ways, Pastor Neil says. Diets, exercise, speech, relationships, emotions, use of time, faith investment, habits, hobbies, etc. He said, obviously, if there was a quick fix to this problem, it would have been fixed a long time ago. But alas, no. Even the journey of discipleship, he says, of walking with Jesus to become more like him, is susceptible to this dynamic. It's hard to stay on track. One of God's provisions to counteract this dynamic, he says, is healthy, godly relationships. Again, as Proverbs says, the one who walks with the wise will be wise. The Lord created a place to find those relationships, and he called it the church. Going back now to verse 9, Jesus said, Whoever has ears, let them hear. Going back to the question we started with, Do you have listening ears? Is your heart tender today? This verse is a call to understanding that comes about by spiritual engagement with the parable. This understanding is only possible with open and receptive hearts because That is what will produce the crop. Jesus offered this invitation that day to his disciples, but also to the crowds. He offered it to anyone who would hear. Matthew used the word understand several times in the passage, and we know understanding is predicated on the faith necessary to receive it, to receive the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. The Pharisees, in this instance, it was their disbelief In Jesus' messiahship, and who he was. And that inhibited the possibility of them really hearing and understanding what Jesus was saying that day. Paul David Tripp writes in a recent devotional, he said, I know it's my problem, and I suspect it's yours too. He says, we're all just too easily satisfied. It's not that we want too much from God. No, the reality is often that we settle for too little, We are content with a little bit of change, a little bit of growth, a little bit of maturity. We settle for a little bit of biblical understanding and a little bit of theological understanding. We say we love redemption and that we're thankful for God's grace, yet we become spiritually satisfied long before that grace has completed its work. If our parenting seems to be working, if our marriages are livable, if our jobs aren't terrible, if our finances aren't a disaster and we have nice houses and good health, most of us are satisfied. But God is not satisfied. He knows that we will continue to need his transforming grace until sin is no more after this life. We will continue to need his intervention as we are completely formed into the likeness of Jesus. We will continue to need the forgiving, enabling, transforming power of his grace, he says, until all of our thoughts and desires are pleasing to him. We will continue to need his deliverance and protection as long as we are still susceptible to the seductive voices of temptation that are all around us in this fallen world. Our Savior loves us enough to continue to be dissatisfied, even in the moments when we are all too satisfied. He will not quit. He will not abandon the work of his hands. He will not turn from his grace. He will not forsake his saving zeal. and He will not relent with us until his grace has done everything it can do in each one of his children. He goes on to say that we will then often find ourselves in life places we never imagined ever happen things you didn't plan for the unplanned the unexpected the unwanted in your life journey and just like the farmer in our days will use equipment to till up the places where the soil has become hardened God will use these very hardships of our lives to show us teach us and continue to transform the places that need transforming so we don't stay just satisfied enough. The farmer can't afford to have patches in the field that are unproductive. The produce that comes from that soil is how he makes a living. Determines how he can afford the farm and the house and so on. Same for us. We cannot afford to live with the untransformed places in our lives. If we stay in that place of being easily satisfied with things like, well, at least I'm not this, or at least I go to church. That thinking can become a slippery slope for us. We need to allow the Lord to expose our weaknesses and cry out to him to allow the soil in our heart to be tilled, ready for seed and growth all of our lives. We never arrive this is why we have discipleship settings, not because it's what we're supposed to do, but because it's what every one of us needs, so the soil doesn't become hard, so we don't get into that mode that trip defines as so easily satisfied. Because as we weaken, we settle for mediocrity, and then that's what our churches has become. Church any church is only as weak, as strong as its weakest link. Times of discipleship, intentional study of the word, accountability groups, that's what does the digging in our souls and allows God's spirit to speak, expose, and transform. It does not happen solo. Another aspect of this we probably should consider is to remember that we have to be careful about who or what we're allowing to plant seeds in us. Let's be sure we're not living according to the same metrics as the world uses, not the culturally acceptable trends that are being planted in the soil of our souls, but the truth of God's word and his desires for us. A lot of times, again, we will get caught up in the thinking, oh, it's not that bad. Or it's harmless, or at least I'm not. When maybe it should be, what is God saying to me about this? Or am I at peace with this situation or in this decision? And part of fruitful living calls for us to use God's words in all things to base our life on. That includes our recreation, what we watch, what we listen to, because those things shape our thinking as well. Work, family plans, finances, even relationships our friendships. Like we said earlier, the things that cause unfruitfulness in our lives are not necessarily bad. But if they crowd out God in any way, they need to be avoided or let go of. Some things are very clear in Scripture, but other things may just not be best for us or best for us in a particular season. As we wrap things up, let's just consider one other question many have asked before us, before our study of this parable. Why would a farmer allow precious seed to land along the path on rocks or among the thorns? These farmers back in those days were not wealthy. Every seed mattered. But remember, they didn't have the equipment today that farmers do, and they didn't have nice, neat rows of crops like we do They just literally slung a bag over their shoulder and flung the seed, hoping most of it would take, even the ones that didn't look so promising because of where they landed. As we read the Gospels, we see over and over that Jesus was very invested in those who looked unpromising, like the hard, rocky, and thorny soil, like tax collectors and sinners and lepers, prostitutes, the demon-possessed, And Jesus is the same today. He's very interested in those who may look unpromising. Are there those that we might see that way? Just as the sower flung the seeds along the path, there was a chance that it would take. Just like our witness to the unlikely, to the unpromising, may just take root. You may sow and another may water that same seed. Sometimes I hear a story from a person well into midlife. They tell a story of a one-time VBS experience when a Mary Hardwick-type leader faithfully shared the gospel to them as a five-year-old. And now they were sitting in a group I was in sharing about what they remembered, giving another believer a chance to water that seed. Or another will say, no, my parents never took me to church, but my grandmother, she was great, and she was so into God. She taught me all I know about God in church. Shout out to grandparents. So who do you think is unpromising? Who do you say to yourself about, oh, oh they'll never come around? The sower we read about today, our Heavenly Father, is busy sowing seeds all over this earth. He's lavishly sowing seeds in places you and I might ask why. That, that'll never happen. That person, no, they'll never change. His call to us is to do the same as he, the sower, did. Just like the prodigal father in Luke 15 did not ever give up waiting for his wayward son, God does not give up on anyone. Our responsibility as his believers is to spread the seed that's inside of us in producing. We are his hands and feet on this earth. And we should not give up even when some of our efforts, efforts seem to fail. Remember this verse we all know from Isaiah 55. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So keep sowing seeds. Remember when the seed has taken root in us we can be that seed to others those seeds are little things they produce in abundance and lastly we see in this passage the disciples have a question for jesus then the disciples came up and asked him why are you speaking to them in parables and he answered because the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you for you to know but not given to them When we respond to the spiritual light and truths God's given to us, he gives us more. If we reject the light, the opposite will happen. And as he gave light to the disciples, they grew more in their understanding of who he was. The Pharisees in the crowd doubted Jesus and his words, and so their understanding became darkened. In verse 15 of the same chapter, we read, For this people's heart had become callous. They hardly hear with their ears. And sometimes the hardships of life bring us to this place where we let these things rule and we become hardened. Do you have listening ears? Is your heart tender today? If not, God is ready to bring understanding as we turn back and receive his healing and let him do the work of tilling the soil in our hearts. The worship team is gonna come now as we pray together. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we turn our eyes upon you. Looking full in your wonderful face. Asking you to remind us of these questions we've heard this morning. Asking you to till those hardened places in our hearts. That you might be able to plant new seeds and new truths. That you might bring healing to those places that are broken. That you might help us to get unstuck in those places that the hardships of life has caused us to halt and stay in a cycle of brokenness. So we pray, O oh Lord, today, take our lives, use them as you see fit, as we give thanks to you for the gift of your word and the teachings of your heart to us. In Christ's name we pray.